Welcome to 24 Hour Expert, where we challenge each other to see what we can learn on random topics in just a day. I'm Allie. And I'm Amy. Let's see what we've learned. A good evening, or whenever you are, Amy. Good whenever you are to you too, Allie. Before we get started this week, because we're coming up on the last few episodes of the year, I would like to send out an appeal to all of our listeners to send topics that you want to hear in 2023. Whoop, whoop. So, you know, you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com. Spell all the words. Send me a DM on Instagram. Send me a Facebook message. If you know me personally, text my phone. <laughs> However you want to get a hold of us. Things are getting really out of hand now, but we would love the topics. Anything anything you can think of. Anything that you want to hear about, we want to talk about and become an expert in. I think we can do a really good job at it, too. We have experience now. Yes, and if you are an expert, also reach out because we would love to interview you. Yes, we would love that. Yes. I got so excited there. Yeah. <laughs> but I am genuinely that excited. <laughs> All right. So let's get to this week's topic. And Amy, you already know this, but Expert Alley fun fact alert. This week's topic is music boxes, and I personally have a beautiful collection of music boxes. I do know that. I love some of your music boxes. I still find music boxes mildly creepy, but majorly beautiful. So it's like a very thin line, you know? <laughs> The reason I have such a beautiful collection is because my fairy godmother used to gift me one every year from my first till my 18th birthday. Mm-hmm. So we are talking about music boxes, not just because I have a collection. It was actually a listener topic that was on our list. Is that what prompted you to make a call for listener topics? Yes. And then I was like, oh, because I was looking at the list of listener topics, and this one was there, and then I also have a collection. So I was like, oh, yeah, I should do this one finally. And then, yes, I was like, oh, we should probably start getting some fresh topics for 2023. It's all cyclical. See, now you can't give me a hard time when something just pops into my head, because this is full circle. Okay, Amy, let's get into it. I'm ready. Music boxes or their predecessors started in the 9th century in Baghdad. The Banu Musa brothers were a trio of inventors that created something called a hydro-powered organ. This used interchangeable cylinders that had raised pins on the surface. Oh. In the 13th century, a bell ringer invented a cylinder with pins that would turn and hit bells. In the 17th century, an instrument called a Carillon was created, and it used 23 or more cast bronze bells that were controlled by a keyboard. Hmm. Playing the keyboard would release the keys, known as batons, that would strike the bells individually or together to produce a melody. So these oh. are the instruments that were the predecessors to music boxes. All of those actually sound really cool. Yes. And these are all big, big well, instruments. Yeah. I mean, like a than bell... Like an actual bell would be huge. Well, and, you know, I had 23 or more bells. And they're maybe hand-sized bells. We're not talking like a church bell. But big organ-type instruments. Wow. 
These types of bell designs saw several iterations until 1769 when Anton Ferve Salomon, I'm sure oh, I butchered good job. that. That Thank was you. elegant. Who was a clockmaker from Geneva, replaced the bells with a comb. So think of, you know, like a hair comb, mm -hmm. but a metal hair comb that had multiple pre-tuned metallic notes. Ooh. This was laid horizontally against the pinned barrel. So the pins are now striking the tines of this metal comb. Oh, that's fun. So it's like hitting each different tine, kind of like a music box scrolls. Yes. That's so fun. the tines are replacing the bells, which, as you can imagine, saved a lot of space mm -hmm. and could produce a more complex sound. That is interesting. I also bet that you could probably make a lot more tunes with the combs because you could probably make more different combs than having different ways to strike the keys for the bells, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's probably easier to have a longer comb with more notes than keep adding more bells. Yes, you can have like eight combs in your little disc holder and bring them out when you're ready. Well, the combs aren't the part that you interchange to get different music, but I bet you could fit more notes in a smaller space versus having bells that create different notes. I see. So it's the little... It's the little thing that's rotating well, that's how music... Okay, well, that's how music... Cylinder with pins that hit the comb that you would change out. But we'll get to all that. I like the visual, though, of someone having, like, our equivalent of a CD case, like, with 18 different combs in it, though, you know? Yeah, but it wouldn't be the combs. It'd be the cylinders. Allie, you have to come with me on this visual journey. I get the I visual journey. I'm just... I'm an expert, and I'm trying to be factual. All right. Well, factually, I think you should move on. Moving on. Music boxes were typically rectangular in shape and held a comb of 96 steel teeth or tines that were plucked by a brass cylinder that was turning in the box, like we just discussed. Mm -hmm. The cylinder could be changed out to change the music. So, Amy, so it's you, your case of cylinders. Your case of cylinders. So you were in the right vein, just the wrong piece that's being changed out. I still think... Technically, it would be easier to hold combs, but we've got advanced to that stage. It would be easier, but the combs are the notes, and the cylinder decides what notes are hit. Are you ready for me to be done with this now? Well, I'm just trying to bring it all together for you. Okay. So we don't want to take the notes out. We want to take the order of which the notes are played and change it for different orders to make different songs. That's why we change the cylinder, not the comb. So I just need a bigger bag to carry the cylinders. Right. So when I'm walking down the street, that's not how it works. Because anyway, just go, keep going. Anyways, this was the first time where people outside of playing instruments or listening to a live performance could have music with them anywhere. I was so ahead of the, my time in this episode. Amy, you're traveling down the road. You're just, you know, getting the directions a little mixed up. Next stop, iPad. Because of this, music boxes were very popular in the 19th and the beginning of the 20th century. Now, let me throw in a little, not caveat, but when I'm talking about music boxes right now, I'm talking about big, the size of an end table or a small dresser pieces of furniture, not just the small novelty music boxes like I collect or people would might collect or have. Sure. So more similar to like what a record player would become, a, a right. staple of your home. Yes. Amy, you are just, you're not an expert, but you're getting it all right. I I'm following where you're leading. It's great. This is teamwork. 
This yes. is why you don't host the podcast alone. Yes. For me to add this vibrant color of walking down a street with a pack of combs, which I understand is wrong. Thank you. Okay. But yes, so these are big pieces of furniture. Some might be the size of a toaster oven or a microwave and might be more tabletop units, but I'm not just talking about small novelty music boxes. Got it. In the 1830s, it was popular to put music boxes in to many small items. Now, I know I just said these are big things, but now we're starting to get into the novelty ones. It's a journey. Yeah. So people would put them in pocket watches, in dolls, jewelry cases, and snuff boxes. What is a snuff box? Amy, I'm so glad you asked. I have a side note here to explain what a snuff box is because I also had to look that up. I'm not going to lie. It's not a great name. A snuff box is a small, traditionally like a palm size, ornamented box for holding snuff. Snuff is a scented powdered tobacco. Sniffing a pinch of snuff, <laughs> people are <laughs> breathing this this powdered tobacco, was very common in England we during this time period. Episode. I mean, we took a hard left turn <laughs> hard into drugs. snuff. <laughs> So the snuff needed to be kept dry, so you'd keep it in your little snuff box. And typically, this was a personal possession that each person had their own and just used. Occasionally, there was larger communal boxes that you might, (laughs) I know, that you might leave out on a table. But these are very, some could be, very elaborate, painted, made of precious metals or gems. It was a very prized possession for people. Okay. And sometimes they had music in them. And sometimes they had music in them. Okay, so now back to our big music boxes, not just our little novelty ones. Okay. It wasn't until 1875 in St. Croix that the first music box factory was built. So before, these are all being made by different individual craftsmen. And then in 1880, Nicole Frez, again, I'm sorry if I'm butchering that, produced music boxes that would play for three hours in one winding. Wow. Do you think it was the same song on loop? I don't know. It didn't specifically say in this article whether or not it looped through different songs. But I know some music boxes could go through multiple songs. So I would hope for one that played for three hours, it was different songs. Yeah. That would be maddening if not. But very cool that they could make it go that long. Yeah. So music boxes are going to start looking like record players now, Amy. Saw that coming. Yep, you did. They have the large trumpet-shaped speakers, and they were called phonographs and eventually gramophones. I'm sure Mm. you kind of recognize those terms. Yep. And in the 1890s, record tubes would start being mass-produced. And this I thought was really interesting. So live performers would record a master tube. But the process that they used to make the tubes, they could only make 10 duplicates of a tube at a time. So the singer would have to sing the song, and it would only make 10 tubes. Okay. Before this, each one had to be individually made. So an artist, if it was a very popular song, would have to sing the song over and over throughout the day to make enough tubes to sell. Wow. How much do you think a tube costs? Oh, we'll get into that, Amy. You need to slow down. You're getting way ahead of me. Who knew? I'm very fascinated. I Let's just keep rolling. Yeah. For example, African-American star George Washington Johnson recorded his song, The Laughing Song, 
thousands of times. Sometimes he would sing it up to 50 times a day to make enough tubes to keep up with demand. Wow. Oh my gosh, you must never want to sing that song again. Right. And eventually they would continue to refine the process so they can make more and more tubes at a time. All right, Amy, now to your other question. The average price of a cylinder or a tube was 50 cents, and this is in 1890. What do you think that is in 2022? This is because I did it to you so many times last week. Um, $3,000. Okay, no, now you're just being ridiculous. $700. No, $16.37. I wasn't that far off. $700? I said $3,000 and you made a face, so I went low, okay? I didn't, I tried to cut the difference. Okay, okay. Which actually doesn't sound that bad if you think about in the CD era, we paid, what, $10, $15 for a CD? Now, yeah. Granted, that was a whole catalog of songs. Well, not a whole catalog. A handful of songs versus a song. Yeah, but, but if you think about it, like having the artist in your living room because that tube was recorded once, $1,500 is steel. $1,637. Okay, all right. It's not 1500 <laughs> but okay, okay. The next evolution of the music box came in 1886 when German inventor Paul Lachmann created a music box that played music from a disc rather than a cylinder. Mm. These were also interchangeable to play different songs. So what does this sound like to you, Amy? A record. Yeah. So we're And then a CD, well, then a cassette. Well, a record, then an 8-track, then a cassette, then a CD, then an MP3. And now just Spotify. Well, yeah, or iTunes Technically, or the use. files are still MP3s, I assume, that are, like, you know, just available. In different yeah, ways. I was thinking, like, iPod, and then now just everything is streaming. I mean, if we were drawing a picture, probably. Yeah. So, Emerald Berliner made a disc version of Thomas Edison's gramophone, which, like I mentioned, used to play the tubes. This became the new normal for listening to music and replaced the music box because the sound was clearer and louder. Mm -hmm. So now we're not considering these music boxes anymore. Interesting. Yeah. This also made music more readily available to the public. So, for example, if there was a Broadway show, they would release that music on these discs, and those songs would be more readily available to people. And they could be made a lot easier and quicker so people could have them within weeks. Wow. These discs could also be put into a machine in a public place where people could pay a nickel. And what does jukebox. that Jukebox. Yeah. So this was an early form of a jukebox. Oh, how quaint. I love a good jukebox. Yeah. Do you know now they have an app to run jukeboxes? Yeah, that's sad. I know, but it's actually really efficient because then you can put like eight coins in and make your song go to the top. Oh, well, that's pretty fancy. Yeah. But you have to, like, download an app, like, app Yeah, you have restaurant. to download the app, and then you have to buy tokens like you would, and then you no. pick your song, and it gets in a lineup. But if you're like, I really want this song to play, you can, like, boost it. No. No, not doing any of that. I mean, okay, you're no fun, but that's fine. It's fine. The gramophone would further evolve into the record player slash turntable that we now know today, which you saw coming the whole time, Amy. I saw it. I read this book before I even got to the chapter. Emil Berliner, and later in 1901, he would partner with Elridge Johnson to create records. And by the 1950s, vinyl records would dominate the music industry. Mm -hmm. 
And now again. Well, so, not dominate, but come back. Yes, I actually read that, that there's been a real resurgence of people who want vinyl records. Mm-hmm. My husband is one of them. We have a whole box. I'm sure Mr. Berliner and Mr. Johnson would love to know that. Can we agree, though, that like people have really cool names? Like I don't know anyone named Elridge right now. It is a cool name. I will agree with you on that. So there's your history of the music box and how it evolved into the record player. And now, obviously, you can get novelty music boxes. And I tried to look up when people started putting the ballerinas in music boxes, like, you know, the jewelry music boxes. But I couldn't find any what felt like reliable, solid information on that. Mm -hmm. So it must be something that has been around a very, very long time. I have a ballerina in a snow globe music box. Oh. So I tried to find the biggest manufacturers of music boxes. And traditionally, like I mentioned earlier, they were made by independent craftsmen, often watch or clock makers. Some of the original companies that made them were the Nicole Fries, which went out of business in 1903 Mm. because it couldn't keep up with competition of vinyl records. The Regina Music Box Company, which was the leader of the market in 1902, dropped Music Box from their name, and now they just go by the Regina Company, and they've diversified their offerings into other products, but continue to supply music boxes and discs through the 1920s. One of the articles I read said that the only remaining original company from the quote-unquote old days is the Ryug if I'm saying that right, manufacturing, which started in Switzerland in 1865. Wow. It was acquired by an Italian company in 2001, and it is still a leader in luxury Swiss music boxes. There has to still be a market for fine goods like that. If you've got, like, classic taste, that has to be part of your music collection. Oh, I'm sure. Or if you want a nice, unique gift, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. A few other notable companies that are still around that produce nice music boxes are Nidex Senko, which was established in 1946 in Japan. They provide over 90% of the worldwide music box industry with development, production, engineering, and as well as a sales network. Wow. They're very big in the music box world. They have also expanded into robots, card readers, motor drive units, sensors, and other new technologies, which was just funny to me. Quite a span. (laughs) So wide range of things that they work on. Another is the Porter Music Box Company, which started in 1974 in Vermont. And it also restores vintage music boxes, as well as produce luxury music boxes. And a few novelty music boxes. Probably like higher end novelty ones, though. I would assume, yeah. But it'd be interesting to see some restorations. Yeah. And it made me think of, I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it, but that show that Dad likes. Oh, I was just going to say that. Where it's just the workshop in England, I believe, that restore antiques. You have never seen a more quaint show than that. Oh my gosh. All right, Amy, you Google it while I keep talking. So we How can do you want me to Google that? The show our dad likes? No, Google English show antique restoration. English. Okay. Amy, Amy doesn't know how to use Google. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I don't even know how to start on that. I just told you. I am doing it now, but I didn't know the repair shop. 
It the repair right shop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you. Listen, I, I wouldn't have known it was English. I would have just said like antique. I probably could have put antique repair shop. We have gone off track here. Yes. But if you haven't seen it and you like antiques or you like sentimental stories, check out the repair shop. It was, it's great and it will make you cry. It will. Yes. And you can stream it. So I like, I have to say that you can stream everything. <laughs> you can stream everything, but it's like a good cry. I mean, some of them are ugly, good cries, but like a happy cry. Happy cry. Yes. It's very heartwarming. Mm-hmm. All right. Onward. The San Francisco Music Box Company, which was founded in 1978, originally was a chain of music box stores and at one point had 300 stores in malls around the U.S. and Canada. They no longer have their own stores, but they still produce inexpensive novelty music boxes and they're just distributed through other retailers. So I tried to find, because I thought that this might be a question... And this is the only thing. What song yes. is in the music box? All right, Amy, often? good job. Honestly, same brainwave. I tried to find the most popular songs that are put into music boxes, and I could not find a definitive list or anything super reliable. There is not a lot of information about music boxes. The sources on this were very limited, I and mean, just in general, not just for songs. But some of the top songs that I saw over and over that I recognized were The Blue Danube. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) I wish you could see my notes on this. I tried to write out what the melody was so I could try and sing it for you. And now I'm looking at it like it's just me writing da, 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 da a lot. But I think, and don't hold me to this, it's the da, 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 da. I could be wrong, but... Looking at my notes, that's what it feels like I tried to write. I appreciate that you tried to write it out. The Entertainer. Yep. Over the Rainbow. Oh. Send in the Clowns. And obviously a lot of classical music and lullabies. Got it. I, I know some of those. I will say I think I find some music boxes very calming because of the song. And I think there are others that cross the line into creepy for me because of the song. You know? Yeah. Or, like, it's the same thing we talked about when you did the Halloween episode. Like, if you sing a lullaby creepy enough, it's that's over now. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's the same for music box tunes. Yeah, that's fair enough. And I think it also depends on the quality of the music box and how good the sound is. Agreed. All right. All right, I want to wrap up this episode with a few funner facts. No, just kidding. That's not a word. <laughs> New segment, funner facts. Funner facts. With just some more interesting facts about music boxes. So I was looking for the most expensive music box that's ever been sold. Mm-hmm. And I have some conflicting information. Okay. I am going to create, um, what is the word I'm looking for here? A controversy. Oh, in music box world. In music box world. Gonna... We're going to get tens of submissions on this. According to the Guinness Book of World Records. Seems pretty official. Seems pretty official. The most expensive music box sold was a Swiss music box that was made for a Persian prince in 1901. And it sold for $23,481, which included the buyer's premium, which is something to do with auctions. I did not dive into that for this episode. 
So that was from Sotheby's in London, which is obviously a famous auction house. Mm-hmm. Well, that got me thinking. I mean, that's a lot of money, almost $24,000 for a music box. So I just happened to go on Sotheby's website, and they had a snuff box clock music box <laughs> combo that sold for $266,500. For a snuff box music box? Yes. So I'm wondering if the one listed in the Guinness Book of World Records is just a pure music box. Right. Like an old traditional one, not a novelty one. Yeah. And maybe that this other one doesn't count because it's technically a snuff box clock music box combo. Honestly, though, what an impressive piece to own. Right? So that, in my opinion, is the most expensive music box that's ever sold. Because well, that's I'll tell almost $267,000 for a snuff box clock music box. Well, maybe it's like 100000 her function. Yeah. 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 Uh, it is, it is, it wrought with controversy. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll never know. So if you're in the antique music box world, please reach out to us. We I would, would love, yeah. I would love to know your opinion. Does it count as a music box or not? Should Guinness like, update its records? Do you think there's like black market music box trade? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure for all antiques there is. Mm. Or for most, I would assume. But I'm just saying. I would like to challenge this Guinness World Records. Mm. Okay. So to wrap up our music box episode, I have a very fun fact. You already had a funner fact. Is this the funnest fact? It's the funnest fact. In 2016, the largest music box was created in Hungary at the Budapest Palace of Arts. It played six songs, one of them being the Harry Potter theme song. Oh. And they ended up putting it, they created it at the Palace of Arts, but they ended up putting it in a mall so people could use it. And I'm trying to think of how I can describe the size of it. Maybe a small camper. Oh, wow. So big. And then to actually get it to play music, they have a giant human-sized hamster wheel that you walk on. And when you walk on this giant hamster wheel, it turns the cylinder that starts hitting the combs to make the music. Oh, so it's human powered. It's human powered. If you run faster, does it go faster? I would think so. I mean, I don't know all the specific mechanics. I mean, maybe they have it set so it only goes a certain speed, no matter how right, fast like you walk. Play the song or whatever. Yeah. But you can actually go online and see a video of it. it That's cool. cool. Yeah. Bring in music boxes back. Yeah. And it just looked like a fun little, not experiment, but display i guess i don't know art yeah so there you go amy do with that what you will thanks for letting us talk at you if you have any comments corrections suggestions or fun facts of your own you can email us at 24hourexpert at gmail.com spell out all the words it's also our website facebook and instagram you can find us there talk to you next time bye Thank you for listening to 24 Hour Expert. Our theme song is Lo-Fi World by Ricky Bambino. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you're notified of future episodes. 